This is IA Forward, your playbook for success as an independent insurance agent. Here to help you knock it out of the ballpark are your hosts, Shane Tatum and Tanya Lead. Welcome to IA Forward. Okay, we've made it to part three of our S's for success series. So let's talk strategy today. I am all out of strategy. I have used all the strategy that I know how to use in my lifetime. I feel like that's a non-stop thing in my brain. Is there any more strategy that I can possibly find to use? I think that you are the strategy master and what's left in your brain is probably more strategy thought than most people have in their entire life. Maybe. I have faith in you. You can do this. Yeah, that's flattering. What's really interesting about strategy as you get older is you just start to realize, let's be more simple with our strategy. I've been on a simplified tear for a few years, and I actually had this check-in with our primary attorney just in the last few days, and I just loved his approach to this whole concept really that could be applied to strategy. And it's, you don't have to change. We talk in corporations versus LLCs is really what the subject matter was about. And there's nothing wrong with a corporation. You can choose an S selection from a tax status, or you can be an LLC, but to change your corporation to an LLC because the corporation was set up 15 years ago when LLCs weren't popular yet, it just doesn't matter. The reason that's important, I love where he's at as an attorney. He's not at this place where he's trying to increase billable hours. He's at this place where the strategy needs to fit the customer and the strategy needs to fit his simplified view of how things are going. With all of the perceived negativity that has come out in the media about the insurance world in the last two weeks, let's talk the article that came out about how high that corporate CEOs were being paid within the industry. And we're also really starting to see layoffs by large carriers. That's a lot of negativity that is being put out about the insurance world right now on top of huge rate hikes. I got my rate hike today and it was less than delightful, let's put it that way. But there's a lot of bad stuff going on. So how do we change that? How do we strategize to make this work for us? First, I want to speak to the CEO pay. I've seen some really good perspectives, comments within that article. If you haven't seen the article, there was some disclosure around CEO compensation. I think it was for the 2022 comparisons. And one of the things that I saw that I thought resonated really well is number one, do you want the key top chief decision maker of a multi-billion dollar company not being offered incentives? And the answer to that is I don't think so. Shareholders don't want that. The other thing is all of these CEOs and all of these companies, they have compensation committees. There are executive committees and compensation committees that make decisions, put out incentives, and the CEO has to hit that. Most of the CEO pay in the world today is bonus. It's not salary. Let's say there's a million dollars of salary and then $13 million of bonus. So the total pay package was $14 million, right? So I'm just making that up. The million dollar pay 
as it relates to a $20 billion company is relatively small. Now, that sounds crazy to say out loud. When you're looking at that through that lens, the CEO has to make decisions, really hard decisions. And you can't hold the CEO responsible necessarily for hitting targets that the compensation committee aligned. But nobody's yelling at the compensation committee. What they want to do is they want to throw darts at the actual CEO. The CEO is simply achieving results. Maybe the targets for those results were wrong, but that's not the CEO's fault. I have a little different perspective. Obviously, I'm a CEO, so I may be a little biased there. I don't run a gazillion dollar company. So, and my pay is not $13 million. My pay is not even a million dollars. And so I am significantly below this level, but I resonate. It's not this matter of we paid these CEOs a bunch of money and we raised the rates. It's very difficult to get that across to the consumer lens. It doesn't look good. I agree. But when you get down to the bottom of it, should the CEO be ridiculed? Absolutely not. From a consumer perspective, probably your customers don't care. They're not reading these articles. So I want to put that out there for the most part. I don't want us to make a mountain out of a molehill because this is something that we tend to be concerned with, but not consumers. I've seen where agents are concerned with this article that has been posted in insurance-specific journals. And I think it was also so I think it was also published out in California. But for the most part, this is not something that your clients are even concerned with. So is it something, Shane, that our agents that are listening should be concerned with responding ahead of time to their policyholders? Is this one of those things that if they cut the CEO's compensation by 90% and gave that money to a policyholder, how much would each policyholder really even gain? Are we talking about 2 or $3? I mean, this is an optics thing for me, and it just doesn't seem like the discussion or the explanation to clients really solves anything. One comment that I would say spoke to me the most was a couple of lines about the reality of it and then nothing to see here. Let's move on. That is how I see it for agency owners at this point is no, there's absolutely nothing for you to strategize. Think about in terms of communication to policyholders around this. You're right. 99.9% of agents, customers are not going to see this article, not going to read this article. The one thing that I would say agents have the right to ask is if that particular company has gone through agent commission reductions. That directly reflects what we're talking about as far as agency owners. If commissions have been cut 10%, 20%, and the CEO pay is exorbitant or growing on the backs of that, if layoffs are happening, I guard against it with everything I can. Sometimes things are unpreventable and you can't take an agent commission reduction and not perform some level of expense reduction at the carrier level, which usually is going to result in some level of layoffs. If you just go after agent commissions and you don't tackle carrier level expense reduction, that's a terrible optics. That's a terrible strategy from a carrier standpoint. And that's where agency owners certainly have the right to ask questions. When they see commission reductions, they have the right to say, so can you explain to me, Mr. or Mrs. Rep, Mr. or Mrs. Executive, what have you done to cut expenses at the carrier level? 
I want our listeners to notice the calm, rational way that you asked those questions. It wasn't attacking a rep. It wasn't attacking a, a corporate executive. It was conversational. And that's one of the places that I am seeing more and more agents because of the stress of the hard market. There's no strategy in what they're asking. They're attacking. Having an even kill mindset, being able to have a professional discussion should be part of your strategy. It should be part of how you handle carrier relationships. It should be how you handle everything, customer relationships. There's no progress ever going to be made with an attacking mindset. There's zero progress that's going to happen there. We're not in this situation where the bully pulpit or the bully approach is going to win us anything long term. It's going to get you a bad reputation. It could cost you a contract. It could cost you multiple contracts because your rep may end up going to another carrier down the road. You and your reputation as an agency owner and how you respond to negative situations is really important for your longevity in the marketplace. Years ago, I had a mentor that gave me a very simple piece of advice. And she said, when you're speaking with someone, act like they have a sign around their neck that says, make me feel important. And even when you're talking on the phone in a conversation like this, remember you're still talking with a human being. And start with the why. Start with your why. Find out their why and make them feel important. Go with the strategy of making the other person feel important, even if it's a situation that is uncomfortable. Yesterday, I had a phone call with a gentleman that was very aggressive. And during the call for about 35 minutes, I literally sat here thinking, how do I make this guy feel important? And I let him get his words out. I asked questions. I shared my why. And the result was exactly what I wanted. It wasn't what he wanted necessarily, but when he got off the phone, I could tell that he was happy with the outcome and I got my solution within the next three minutes. So it wasn't that it was pleasant to have to sit there on this call and think, make this person feel important. It was more about letting them just get their words out, let them feel important and then move on. So this may be one of those situations where you're just having to focus and concentrate on being nice to get what you want. Respond, don't react. And even though somebody may not be treating you like a human being at the moment, we have a responsibility to give grace and treat those around us as human beings, see the human being in everyone. For me, it's a great point. Make them feel important. Conflict resolution is something that I just am not sure we're practicing very well. That could be a strategy in and of itself is practice and get better at conflict resolution. I just wanted to quote Jerry Maguire yesterday. Help me yes. help I you. love it. There's all kinds of ways to combat this thing that we're dealing with in society these days. And I know we've talked about, is, is it really that hard to be nice? Is it that difficult? Seems to be for some people. Bless their hearts. Bless their hearts. Back to strategy, probably your clients are seeing that major insurance carriers are doing layoffs. Now, 
Something you may or may not know is that your clients think that you have control over these rates. For some reason, they think that you have some kind of control and you can give them the friends and family discount. Even before I was in the industry and had insurance clients from a marketing perspective, I never really understood exactly how the commission structure and all of that works. So your clients don't know that. They're hearing when they're reading their news on the Google or the Microsoft or the Yahoo or the Fox News or CNN or wherever that insurance companies are doing layoffs. They're seeing their rates skyrocket. There's a panic there that could be developing that you may need a strategy to discuss. This is something that we take for granted. Tanya and her non-insurance background had brought this to the table and to light for me. And the more I've thought about it, the more it makes so much sense. And it's this idea that don't assume that people understand the insurance business like you do as an agency owner. So many of my friends, so many of people that I am around just in my community. They don't know that our agency is an agency. They don't really know how to connect the dots between our agency name and like Travelers or Safeco. They don't really know what to do with that. But there's way too many comments over the last three or four years since I started paying attention to this that seem to indicate that they think we get to keep all of their premium. And if the rate is going up, we raised it. There are some that get it, but there is an overwhelming majority that just flat out does not understand. And if you approach it that way, then part of your strategy is to be able to explain that. Helping consumers understand the system, the way things work, they may not care, but understanding that they don't understand is step one. And one of the things I was thinking, I've been very vocal about, I drive an older vehicle and I decided that August, September of 2024, I'm going to trade. I'm hoping and praying that when I do that, that things have calmed down because the optics, rates are going up. Nobody cares that it, my vehicle is 11 years old and has 230,000 miles on it. All they're going to see if I go trade right now is my rates went up and Shane went and got a new truck. Isn't that about right? the insurance guy. You just have to have these perspectives of what lens people are going to see things through. I want to be careful that sometimes you can't worry about what people think, but as a leader, business owner, you have to understand the optics here. It's part of your strategy. Also, so many things being said in the media about our industry are being taken completely out of context. In a world where we have this 24-7 news cycle, news outlets are constantly trying to grab something. There was a Lloyd's of London quote that came out last week from their chief of markets, and it was part of his Q3 messaging, full on whatever, but they grabbed one sentence. And the one sentence was, I think we are all running out of adjectives to describe the moronic underwriting approach being adopted by some elements of the market. And so when you pull that one sentence out, and by the way, I did like the sentence. I thought it was a great use of words, but that makes it sound like even carriers are calling themselves stupid, right? He was specifically talking about the DNO line of business within commercial, looking back over underwriting that was done during the previous soft market. But that's not how it was presented. And so I think that's part of media strategy 
And for us, we need to know that. I have no doubt that sound bites and clickbait are alive and well, and journalists are going to look for this. So just put it in perspective. And this isn't a knock on journalists. I actually respect journalists. I had a, an idea many moons ago that I was going to buy a local East Texas paper. How have I missed this memo? I've never shared it with anyone until now. I like journalism. I think that good journalism and good newspapers and good news organizations are healthy in a democracy. Understand their job is to sell advertising. Their job is to sell newspapers and they're trying to get eyeballs. Part of your strategy has to be to protect yourself. The most recent thing for me is Jose Altuve, the wee little man that is my hero for the Astros. Jose Altuve he hits a three-run homer in the ninth inning. Astros win. This was the game where there was a bench-clearing almost brawl because of a hit batter and, a, and some bat-flipping going on by the, the Rangers player. So the on-field news person that's interviewing Jose Altuve is doing everything they can to get Altuve to say something derogatory about the Rangers, about the situation, the bench clearing brawl. And all he wants to do is talk about what a great win it is for his team, how his teammates are awesome. I think the only thing he didn't say is, I love America. Thank you. God bless America. I think that's probably the only thing positive that he did not say. And that's how you have to approach this world today. You have to approach this world as if somebody's recording you, somebody's videoing you, somebody's waiting for a snippet to catch you off guard and use it for their advantage. And I don't mean you have to be paranoid. I just think you have to be aware. This is not good for me because things pop out of my mouth. Thank goodness we have an edit button sometimes because things just come out. They don't filter well. At the age of uh, 50, things don't filter as well as they did at the age of 30. Things are not always editable. And there was something you said four years ago that came up in conversation last week with a group of people. So, yes, we know that <laughs> we know this happens, right? That was live. That was live. Yes, it was. Yeah, I will never live the down that comment. So we'll just move on. We know this hard market can't last forever. We know that things are going to turn around and in a few years, we're going to be talking about the soft market. Should we be planning and strategizing now for that infinite game, knowing that soft market is headed our way? Or is it better to just plan our strategy and stay? This is what we're going to do, whether the market's hard or soft. I'm going to contradict myself. I love steady. I love staying the course. I love being the same. I've called it even killed. I love doing what you do and staying with it for the long cycle. The approach that I am personally taking in leading our organization is we have invested heavily in infrastructure preparation for growth. We've used this cycle to take some extra margin revenue from increased premiums, increased pricing situations like it was profit sharing or contingency dollars. So I've allocated those increases and said, you know what, we're going to grow through this in the sense that we're going to apply this additional revenue to the opportunity to growth. And there's things that we're doing. We're starting an apprenticeship program for future account managers. We're doing a lot of different things. We've doubled down on our community relations budget. 
and continuing to do things around community relations. We are investing those dollars. We are not sticking those dollars in our pocket and buying things for ourselves. We are reinvesting in our business in that increased revenue. I love that. And I'm not saying that it's for everyone. You may be at a different stage of your agency life cycle and you may need some of that extra revenue to help you get over the hump with hiring your first producer or hiring your second or third support staff person. And that's okay. That's part of the same kind of approach that I'm talking about. I just like the future, even though it doesn't feel like the future looks great right now. I like what this business looks like two, three, four years down the road. And so I'm investing at the level that we can grow that, that we can be ready and supercharged when things do open back up. Because if you sit around and wait and say, I'm not sure, maybe, and then things open back up and then you have to spend six to 12 months to get ready, you're going to miss the boat. You're going to miss some of the opportunity that's going to be sitting right there. Whereas if you spend this next six to 12 to 15 months being ready, getting ready, training your people making sure your infrastructure is right, improving your processes. All of this is part of that strategy to be prepared for growth. We talk about Simon Sinek a lot and the concept of the infinite game, but I love Seth Godin as well. And one of the biggest takeaways that I've ever applied from Seth Godin is the idea of how we have evolved. And our generation, Shane, you and I, and then our boomer generation and We were all raised that you were supposed to set these five-year, 10-year, 15, 20-year, 30-year goals, right? We were supposed to do that personally. We were supposed to do that in business. And that has changed because of technology and the quickness of how things evolve. And Seth Godin advises that you set up 18-month plans and that's it. Know where you want to be in 18 months. But at six months, you better go in and check it and make sure that those goals are still correct because because of how things evolve so quickly with the way our industry is changing and evolving right now. To me, that idea of that 18-month goal is about as far out as I'm comfortable planning. And then again, I've got it marked on my calendar at three months, at six months, you better check it to make sure that it's still where we want to be. I agree. Even might push that cycle down even shorter. I do agree that you need to be out at least 18 months, but I even have started thinking through the adoption of what the guys over at 37 Signals preach, which is six-week cycles. And they're in the programming business, they're technology developers. So I I get the reason they're down to that six-week cycle. But having those more frequent check-ins, being able to break that stuff down so that you can tweak and adjust course as needed faster, that is still playing the long game. Like having a strategy to make your course adjustment with information, right? I'm an information junkie. I love having data. I love having information. Information is how you make decisions. And the faster you can make decisions, the better you are. Now, I want to caution you, that doesn't mean that you need to do 180s every two weeks or four weeks or six weeks. You need to give your people time to breathe. I'm in that phase right now myself where I've introduced a lot of directional things over the last month or two inside our organization. And I'm glad that it worked out the way it worked out. It wasn't because I'm brilliant and it was intentional. It accidentally worked out this way. But now we're about to enter into, at the time of this recording, we're we're getting close to entering into November, December, a holiday season. So taking a little bit of a 
a deep breath personally and letting some of our people digest and breathe and just get their head around some stuff is something that I'm going to try to do a little bit because that's needed. And so be careful not to change courses too quick. And this is the contradiction, but do your check-ins frequently. I love Tanya's six, 12, 18 months, but I also love that four, six, eight week check-in cycle, pick something in the middle. I don't love looking up once every six months because now I think you're going to have a slow adoption process. Whatever your strategy is, choose it. I see so many agency owners that are still in a producer mindset of, I've just got to get this policy written. I've got to get this quoted. I've got to get all of these things done. And they're forgetting their ownership strategy. So that's my thing is don't forget that you've got to think like a business owner first and a producer second. It's really hard, depending on your life stage of your agency, to go back and forth with this hat of producer and agency owner. You have to do it. I need you to find the element that allows you to do this because you're still producing and writing business. You're the agent. You're the rainmaker. In most of our cases, if you're small, you're the rainmaker still. And you haven't replicated yourself, replaced yourself. If that's you, understand that it's okay that it's difficult to go back and forth between this producer mindset and this agency owner mindset. What I need you to be able to do, though, is find those moments of agency ownership. I need you to be able to see through that lens because, but sometimes you need to make a decision that might actually be counterproductive to your producing ability. And that is part of that long cycle view. You may need to make some key decisions as an agency owner that doesn't help you sell. That's just this imperative place of going back and forth that agency ownership brings to the table during your first three to five years of existence. I'm going to leave us today with this quote from Nick Saban. One thing about championship teams is that they're resilient. No matter what is thrown at them, no matter how deep the hole, they find a way to bounce back and overcome adversity. Attitude to choice. Make a great one. Bye, y'all. Ready to get the ball rolling with your independent agency? Learn more at IntegraAgent.com. That's IntegraAgent.com. Thank you for joining us on IA Forward. Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now or learn more at iaforward.com.